started this year with Unstoppable Series. Unstoppable Series kind of had a few ideas in mind. First of all, we wanted the church to walk away this year with the Book of Acts. So we took time, over 20 over weeks, to talk through the Book of Acts. Did it do justice to the Book of Acts? Most probably not. Uh, but at least it do justice in terms of helping you to better understand the entire book, at least the 30, 30 plus years of history in the Book of Acts, okay? Uh, so somewhere when we started Unstoppable and due to the pandemic, uh, what was amazing is in the book of Acts, it has everything possible to stop the gospel. Uh, so we took the lens of Unstoppable, a message series about making disciples then and now, because we wanted to take a glimpse of how in the early church, how, how is it possible to keep on making disciples when everything was against the idea of making disciples. So you got the might of the Roman Empire, you got imprisonment, you got persecution, and you got a whole string of things that make it impossible for the church to grow. But on the contrary, the church grew powerfully. And that was because that's the nature of the gospel. Nothing can stop the love of God. Uh, so we kind of ran on this series, and it is in that journey that we then decided that maybe we can do microsite for people to watch together. One thing leads to another, and we ended up believing God for the three new church plants that we're going to embark on. Uh, did we have everything sorted out? I want you to know that we did not. We were a bit of a blur, but we were bold in God, and I think the things of God kind of require some form of blur, and then lots of boldness in God, all right? Kind of a, that kind of a combination, okay? So if you are at join us today, uh, whether online or on-site, uh, this is the tail end of Unstoppable. And uh, we're going to enter our season six. The reason we call it season six was because in the book of Acts, there were six different sections where six different conclusions were made as the gospel began to grow. All right, now, so today, what I'm going to do is, uh, the title is called A Church That Impacted a Region. Ephesus. Could you say that together with me? It's been a long time. All right, one to go. A church that impacted a region, Ephesus, okay? So we're going to kind of look through the stories of the church of Ephesus, but I want to coin before you that Ephesus was such a phenomenal church plan because it is out of Ephesus, the Bible tells us that the entire region was impacted. We're going to unfold that story, all right? Now, kind of bring all of us ramp up to where we left a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this is the map of Paul's second missionary journey. So if you're watching online, are you going to excuse me? I'm going to turn sideways a little bit so that I can show them that little map, okay? So the last time, we stopped at telling you the story of Corinth. This is called Paul's second missionary journey. The first missionary journey, he went to these places, which is Iconium, Lystra, Derby, and he preached the gospel over there. In his second missionary journey, he was here strengthening the church and he moved to Troas. Somewhere in here, he wanted to take the gospel towards the south and towards the east, but he felt there was a lot of closed door. Then through a divine dream, he met most probably Dr. Liu, who was in Macedonia, came over in the dream and told Paul, could you come to Macedonia to preach the gospel? He concluded the next morning, it wasn't the pizza, it was God. He then decided that he's going to move over. Thus, he planted all this church. Everywhere he went, he was persecuted. The Jews was after his neck. So he went, went. in fact, he stayed at Corinth for a season. And then because of persecution, he took 
Shentria, which is where uh, the Bible talk about, you know. Anyway, let me just move on, okay. And then he came to Ephesus, okay. So in his trip back to Ephesus, he stopped by and that is the story, that's the story begin about Ephesus, okay. Now, let me just very quickly uh, tell you the story of Ephesus. This is found in Acts chapter 18. So when he was in Corinth, he met Aquila and Priscilla. So together, all three of them, they came to Ephesus, okay. Uh, they came to Ephesus, and Paul was welcomed at the synagogue. You know what? Everywhere Paul went, he was persecuted. But Ephesus, they welcomed him. So he was so happy. Uh, and, uh, you know, they chatted with him, and they asked him, you know, when are you going to come back? Because he is rushing to go to Jerusalem. Then he says, I'll come back, okay? So he left, and he asked Aquila and Priscilla to stay back in the church of Ephesus. While he went back to Jerusalem... Then he went to Antioch, which is the next map. While he was doing that, Jerusalem, and then back to Antioch, his upper couple of months, he started what he called the third missionary journey. All right, are we on second or third now? Hello? Third, okay? So he started his third missionary. Now, so you'll find that in his third missionary journey, he went pretty much straight to Ephesus. He went and visited Tarsus, you know, ate some good food there, Iconium, you know, some of his comfort food maybe, and then he went to Ephesus. And then the Bible says that he, uh, which is the book of uh, Acts chapter 19, let me just show you that. He started his missionary journey. And then uh, it was in Ephesus that Paul and Aquila met Apollos, remember the guy, uh, who was actually an Egyptian who preached the gospel, but he wasn't very accurate. So Aquila and Priscilla adjusted him. But when Paul arrived at Ephesus, Apollos moved to Corinth. So all these uh, itinerary speakers, they move around strengthening the churches. Now, so in Acts chapter 19, verse 1, uh, the Bible began by Paul asking the believers established by Apollos, whether have they heard about the Holy Spirit? Because Apollos was taught with John the Baptist. So they never heard anything beyond that. So the Bible tells us that Paul began to tell the people, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. All right, that's the beginning part. But what was interesting was when he arrived at Ephesus, after he taught the disciples, he went to the synagogue and spoke for three months. Okay, so this is where the story gets exciting. He went, he spoke for three months. The synagogue that used to welcome him, now after three months, they had enough of Paul. So they told Paul, Paul, gao liao, gao liao. Okay, they said, Paul, uh, enough. We, we heard enough of you. And then the Bible says, Paul then decided to go to the hall of Tyrannus, which is not a religious school, but potentially a training center. And then the Bible says, for two years, he was in the hall of Tyrannus and he preached the gospel daily. All right, so synagogue, three months, no longer welcome, moved to the hall of Tyrannus. Okay, now this is where we pick up the scripture, Acts chapter 19. So Paul entered the synagogue, spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. You know, I always like the word persuasive because you find that the book of Acts appeared a couple of times. Paul was very persuasive with the gospel. But it says some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned uh, the way. The way is it's Christian by then. They were not Christian. They were called the way, all right? So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him. How many of them? We do not know. But at least he met 12 of them in the beginning of Acts chapter 19. And a discussion daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Now, let me just kind of go back to the map 
for a little bit, and then let me just kind of tell you a little bit. Okay, now, this part is called Asia. So today, when I say Asia, you think about China. Think about us. Am I correct? By then, Asia is not China. Asia is here. This is called Asia, or some people call it Asia Minor, because this is the only piece of land that connects Europe to Asia. Are you with me? So it's called Asia Minor. So Paul says he was in Ephesus preaching the gospel two years in the school called School of Tyrannus, and the entire Asia heard the gospel. That was incredibly powerful. You know, yesterday we began our Rimbayu at Oasis International School. And I told the people that that's my prayer, that out of this school, that the gospel will go forth to the entire region in Bukit Rimbayu. And, and then, you know, you've got Masa, you've got uh, Bukit uh, Kota Kemuning, you've got all that area. But that's, that's our little faith. Uh, so this is a story of Paul in Acts 19, rejected in the synagogue, and then be at a school of Tyrannus. Okay, now what was even interesting as I move forward is that in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 16, now don't, don't get lost, yeah? So Paul was at Ephesus. He wrote to the church of Corinth, the first letter or the second letter, 1 Corinthians, when he was in Ephesus. So somewhere in there, when he wrote to the church in Corinth, he tells them this. He says, I really want to visit you. But he says that, I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because, could you read together? A great door for effective work has opened to me and there are many who oppose me. So Paul was in Ephesus within that two and a half years. He wrote to Corinth. He says, I really want to visit you, but I cannot come. He says, because there's such a wide and open door. Have you ever wondered how wide and open is that door? The following verses in Acts chapter 19 tell us the story. So Acts 19, 11 to 12, the Bible talks about extraordinary miracles was done through the handkerchief of Paul. You know, the word handkerchief was actually a very, very polite way of saying it. Uh, it is actually the tower that Paul has being a tent maker. It's a tower that they sneeze on, they wipe their sweat, uh, they maybe wipe their table. You know, it's a, you know, guys, right? One tower, count inside everything one, okay? So it is that kind of a tower, okay? So it is that kind of tower that lay hand on the sick and it was healed. Uh, so it wasn't like, you know, my, my nice handkerchief, it wasn't like that. Uh, so maybe I should have a sweat tower then. Uh, I'm just kidding, okay? And then Acts 19, verse 13 to 17, the Bible tells us a son of Sceva incident, which is seven sons of Sceva, who saw Paul casting out demons. Uh, they came to Paul and then they follow Yu Yang Xie Yang, okay? So they just kind of follow Paul and they try to lay hand on, and then the demon spoke to them. He says, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. Who are you? I don't know. He jumped on them, stripped them, and they ran away. The resulting of that, not more gossip news, but the Bible says it resulted that the name of the Lord is held in highest honour in the city of Ephesus. Then the next incident, the Bible talks about a public denouncement of all the occultic practices, which is books, la, DVD, la. obviously there's no DVD, right? Everything being thrown and burned away, and it was amounted to be 50,000 silver, estimated to be almost 5 million, and then the Bible says the end result of that is that the word of the Lord spread widely and grew mightily. And then the last story, which is in the book of Acts 19, was the riots in Ephesus. So you must understand that Ephesus was the fourth largest city in the province of Rome. 
And there was a goddess by the name of Diana in the Greek or Artemis, which is in Roman. That's the name. And uh, so every time when someone visits Ephesus, just like if you come to KL, right, uh, you go to the gift shop, you will get Twin Tower, Fire Ringgate for two, you know, that kind of thing, right? So every time when people come to visit Ephesus, they will then get the Diana little statue. People pay for it. So, but because people were coming to know God so much that they are losing out the business. So the silversmith by the name of Demetrius, which is the guy that incited the whole incident and caused a big riot and wanting to take back, he says, these people are preaching the gospel. We are losing our money. So one of the city council person then tell them that this is really a court situation. Please do not make a fuss out of it, all right? So that ends the story of the book of Acts chapter 19. Now, I want to show you this map. This map tells you in the book of Revelation, there were at least seven churches planted out of the church of Ephesus, including the church of Colossae. So they were all together, at least we know, there were eight churches all because of Paul was in Tyrannus two years preaching the gospel day in and day out. You know, as I kind of talk about the story of Ephesus, I pray that every one of us that are listening to this message today, I pray that there's a response in your heart. And our response is very simple. Our response is God, even as we write the next chapter of every nation, as we, as we are in Rimbayu, believing for Sita Park and then for Churras, I pray that out of this place, out of every church plant that we had, uh, this entire region get to hear the gospel. Come on, can you good amen? Right, that's, that's, that is our heartbeat. And I pray that God will give us a wide and effective door uh, so that we can see that taking place. All right, now I'm going to move you to Acts chapter 20. What was, what was phenomenal about Acts 20 is this, okay? Before I go to that, so if you remember, Paul went to Ephesus, third missionary journey. Then he took one round, all right? Then as he came back, he landed at a little place called Miletus. Miletus is 50 kilometers away from Ephesus. So when he arrived at Miletus in Acts chapter 20, he told someone, he says, could you gather the leaders so that I get to meet them in Miletus? And that's where the story continues, okay? So from Miletus... Paul sent to Ephesus the elders of the church. Uh, this is an incredible emotional story because this is a story where Paul said his final goodbye to the elders of Ephesus. Uh, it is what I call Paul's heartfelt message uh, to the leaders. And I want you to take note, there were three glimpses of the heartbeat of Paul. Uh, so as we tell the story of Ephesus, it was a church that impacted the region. But behind a church that impacted the region was really a heartbeat that impacted the entire generations. And I hope as we end, I was able to combine a church that impacted the region with a heartbeat that actually influenced the whole generations, which is the habit of Paul. And in his speech, this is what he says. He says, when they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility, with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know, serving God has never been a bed of roses. And Paul says that the reason I did that was I served the Lord with great humility. It wasn't how high. You know, I always, I always joke, but I tell people, I tell people, people tell me I'm the senior pastor of every nation and I tell them I'm the senior pastor. 
I, the, kind, the, the reason I do that is because I, I'm trying to play the lowest possible thought about what it means to be a senior pastor, right? Uh, and really, my humble belief is the greater you become a leader, the more servant you, be, you are. And the reason I get to play that role is because I get to be the one that in the forefront, be the most hardworking in trying to preach the gospel and serve as many as I can. And it's really all about that. So Paul says, I serve God with great humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I've taught you publicly from house to house I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was trying to tell the elders, he says, you know what? When I came, I only did one thing. You know what was one thing? I tried to tell you who God is. Because it is who God is that can change your life. It is who God is that can change your marriage, that can turn around your financial situation, uh, that can turn around your character and the flaws that you and I have. It is really the gospel. Uh, so I wanted to say that, you know, as a pastor, every week there were many things on my desk, honestly. There were, there were financial issues, there were marital issues, there were people getting divorced, there were sickness issues, there are COVID issues. There are so many things that will come to the table. And I always tell people, the first thing that I do with people is I make sure people include God in their world. I could have just directed them to, why don't you go for this consult? Why don't you go for this counseling? Why don't you? And, and that's part of the whole package. But really, you know what? The beginning point is you must have God. And Paul says this. He says, I have not stopped and have not taken back in any capacity what was most helpful to you, which is really the gospel. And he says, I preach that to the Jews and I do that to the Greek. I want you to see that Paul really have a very servant heart. And the second statement, as he continues, he says that, and now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that hardship and prison are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me, a very sacrificial heart. He says, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. You know, I, I really love that phrase. Paul says that, my life is worth nothing to me. He says, my, my sleep, my, you know, of course, we want to do our best to be a good steward. But Paul was just contrasting that. He says, my life is, is worth nothing. And, uh, and, you know, I wanted to tell this story. Uh, this year especially, because I was tasked to be the Southeast Asia, uh, to kind of lead the region, I gotten to know the pastor in Timor-Leste. And right now, Timor-Leste is pastored by a pastor called Pastor Thomas, which next week is their anniversary. I just did the message for them before I travel tonight. Uh, and, but before Pastor Thomas was actually Pastor Gilbert Neron. Uh, Pastor Gilbert Neron from Manila went to Timor-Leste, served there as a missionary for eight years. Early this year, Pastor Gilbert uh, had a stroke and he couldn't feel half of his body. Uh, took him a couple of months to recover. He, eventually, they have to move him back to Manila to get a better medical care. And after he has recovered, so about last month, I had a, I had a phone call with Pastor Gilbert, uh, which then told me this. He says, Pastor Tim, he says, I want you to know that I think I'm, I've recovered and I'm already, I'm going to go for the next assignment God has for me. Pastor Gilbert has five children 
And guess where was his next assignment? He says, I'm ready to go to Pakistan to preach the gospel. And I thought about people like that. I thought about leaders like that, that have such a heart. Here they are, eight years plowing in, in Timor-Leste, took a place that has no disciples, brought the church to be about 100, 100 over people, had a stroke, went back, rested eight months, lost a lot of weight, and then he says, now I'm thinner, I'm healthier, I'm ready for my next assignment. I'm, me and my family, we are going to Pakistan, and I believe by end of this year, if not beginning of next year, and then we are going to preach the gospel in Pakistan. And you almost feel like you just came out from a, you know, kind of like a, kind of, what, what do you call it, a water of fire, and then you jump to another, another pot of even hotter fire, right? Uh, Pakistan, can you imagine? And, but for them, it was never about them. It was the faithfulness of preaching the gospel. I want to encourage as many of you. I know some of us, our heart is far from that. And I'm not asking you to be that. But I want you to be able to, as you listen to this message, that you must, all of us must understand, sacrificing, being sacrificial is part of the gospel. You know, I've got people who tell me, Pastor, you work so hard. So, for example, like yesterday morning, I did a Discovering God, Tan Swasan, the Chinese version, which always get my heartbeat double faster, okay, because I always cannot find the right words. Uh, then, obviously, after that, uh, we went to Rimbayu, did a church plan, finished it, I rushed back, and did my Discovering God, the English version. This morning, I preached in Chinese service, I do an English service. Three o'clock, I'll be at the airport, and because I'll be on my way to Dubai, and then to have all the things that's needed to be done to kind of work that through for the next two weeks when I'm not around. Uh, and, and people say, Pastor, you work so hard. I want to say on the contrary, maybe not. Maybe not. I look at Paul. I look at Pastor Gilbert. I look at all the ones that sacrifice for the gospel uh, because there's a little heartbeat that is within them that always go beyond uh, the call of duty. And finally, he went on, and it is a shepherding heart. He says, Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I decided, declare to you today that I'm innocent of the blood of any of you. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole counsel or the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourself and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he brought with his own blood. It talks about the heart of Paul, uh, which is really a shepherding heart, uh, which is a heart that wanted to protect, that wanted to help, that wanted to assist, that wanted to serve. Uh, and finally, as he moved on, I need to bring all this to a close because of time. Paul says that I know that after I leave, salvage wolves will come in among you. Will not spare the flock. And that is really the story of Ephesus eventually. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for this years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of His grace, which can build you up, give you an inheritance. Among all who are sanctified, I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourself know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my com uh, companions because Paul was a tent maker. Remember the tower, the sweat? That's the one, okay? He says, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help 
the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept and they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved him most, or what grieved them the most, was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. You know, Paul's story in the book of Ephesians was really phenomenal. But that story was possible because of Paul's heart, which is very sacrificial, which is very serving. And ultimately, it is a heart that loves to shepherd the people. You know, as I think about the next 10 years, 20 years of what every nation could be. Uh, if you know the story, I, when I first led the church, my goal, was, my goal was the church will never die. My goal was we were happy with the 80 people that God has given unto us. And, uh, and that was my dream. You know, but as we moved and grew along, I realized that there is something that God has deposited in every nation. Just the way uh, we make disciples, the way we are missional, uh, the way we are relational, the way there is a global movement with us, the way we are generational, some of the, all these keywords that I think propel us for something that God wants to do through us. So as I preach about this, I want to marry the heartbeat of Paul with the church that impacted the region. And I'm coming to every one of us that is watching, that is listening. I pray that we will have a glimpse of that heart. I pray that every one of us will have a heart that desire to serve. And I don't mean that you must be a crew. I mean you just serve people out there. And a heart that's willing to sacrifice. And then you have a heart that is willing to shepherd and pastor and care for people. And you can be a shepherd in your company. You can be a shepherd in the college. You can be a shepherd anywhere. But it is the combination of that that creates the momentum to be the kind of church that I pray will not just impact a couple of people, but will impact the hundreds, will impact the thousands. And even as we dream for the next chapter, as pandemic, uh, as we moved for a post-pandemic, that I pray that even as we plant all the churches, a different one of us will rise up and have that kind of heartbeat to serve alongside us. So I'm going to pray. I want you to stand with me as we close. And I, I want you to be able to bring your heart before God. And say, God, this is my heart. And I pray that today, God, you will take a piece of your heart the heart that has moved Paul to be in my heart so that we will be a people with heart that loves to serve, that will sacrifice, and that will shepherd those that God has given unto us. All right, let's pray. God, we just come before you. Lord, we are so grateful that even this weekend that you have allowed us to be able to meet in this place and yesterday was the opening of Every Nation Church in Bayou. And we are looking forward for Every Nation Church Satapa that is just in the pipeline. By saying that, God, we are humbling ourselves to say that there is so much lack that we have, but in our weakness, you are strong. So God, as we come, as we surrender to you, I pray that you will convert our heart. I pray for a heart that's willing to serve, a heart that's willing to sacrifice and a heart that's willing to shepherd others, oh God. 
give us that kind of a heartbeat. I'm asking, oh God, Lord, even as we do that with a church that impacts the region, behind is really a heart that's willing to influence many generations. I'm grateful that everyone that is with us today, online or on-site, may you be the one that shapes our heart and change our heart. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, 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 amen. God bless, amen.